Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. I want to kind of ask you a question. You don't have to answer it out loud. Um, if Some of you may have gotten to this question or a similar question in your tags. Our tag, we never get to the question, do we? Uh, by the time we're done with high lows and talking about getting banned from TikTok and stuff, it's just, it's time to come upstairs. Um, so think about when, when, when I say the word church, what comes to your mind? Um, depending on what your history is, like what your life has been like, that will determine how you would answer that question. If you're like, if you're like me, like I was practically born at church. Like I was born at like Lewis Memorial Baptist Church Labor and Delivery Unit. Like, like born at church, you know, there all the time. Some of you, like a friend invited you to refuel and this is like literally your only concept of church. Like you've really never gone to church before in your life. And some of you might be kind of in the middle. But a lot of times when people think about church, there are some preconceived ideas, some thoughts that they have. And the one, I've got a few pictures I'm gonna put up here. I'm gonna try to control it by my iPad. This may crash and burn. Um, Jeff's looking out for me back there. I don't have a backup, so... (laughs) We'll see. Um, so some people think of this. They kind of think of like this really stuffy, formal, like, um, like talking in Elizabethan English. Um, like you pretty much get there and you're just ready to fall asleep. You know, wear, wear a, a really like starchy shirt with your tie and the coat and you carry your giant Jerry Fall edition King James 1611 Bible in with you. Um, you know, and, and, and it's very formal and it's very just, you know, you feel like you're, you're, you're not maybe at the right level um, because you didn't necessarily wear the right clothes. Uh, some people, when they think of church, they think of, oh, I'm controlling my slides. They think of a finger pointing in their face. They think of people they know that were Christians or people they know that go to church that were judgmental towards them. You ever had somebody that's a Christian be judgmental towards you? Um, I think we would all probably say at some point in our lives, yes. So some people, the only interaction they have with church, the only experience they have with church was when someone didn't know their story, didn't know where they came from, but just pretty much threw a Bible verse in their face and it felt very judgmental. You walk into church and it's like a million eyes are looking at you and you feel like everybody knew what, knows what you did, what you've done, and thinks you're just the most terrible person since like Hillary Clinton. Um, Shouldn't get into politics, right? Um, or some people, when they think of church, they think of like this like, 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 like inspirational experience. You know, like that it's just very like, 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 like everybody just kind of comes in and it's just like one big long K-Love song or something where, where everybody just, just comes to feel good and we don't want to offend anybody and we want to make sure the church is decorated pretty and it's like... If you're a guy that likes to hunt, likes to work on cars, that kind of stuff, you just feel like there's really not much of a place for you in church. So there are some people that have like some, and I think a lot of us have preconceived ideas about what church, um, what church is. But tonight we're going to be talking about church. Um, some of you may remember, we've been in, this is the week number seven of our Binge the Bible series. We started like in January when Haley's dad talked to us about creation And we talked about how God created us in his image. He created a perfect world. But then the next week we talked about the fall. We talked about how how because of sin, when sin entered the world, when mankind, humankind chose to turn their back against God, we all became sinners. We all inherited now a big problem because the payment for sin is death. 
We talked about then the next week how God made a promise to a man named Abraham that through Abraham there would be a Messiah. There would be this person from Abraham's line who would come and who would save everyone from their sins. Then we talked about in week four about Israel, how God created this nation out of Abraham, gave him some weird laws that seemed like to us, but they served a purpose to create a people by which God would bring this Messiah. And we talked about the prophets, remember? The guy who buried his underwear, Jeremiah. We talked about the prophets. And we talked about how they, they had a message to Israel to get right with God. And Israel wouldn't listen to their message. But the prophets still foretold that this one who would come to save would come. And we talked about the 400 years of silence in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. How all the crazy things were going on, but God was working in them. And then two weeks ago, remember Wyatt came and he, taught, he told us about how he finally came. Jesus came. He died on a cross, bore our sins, wore our sins, paid the payment for our sins so we could live forever with God. That's where we're picking up tonight. Because what happened after Jesus died and rose again? Well, if you have your Bible, turn to Acts 1.8. And as you turn in your Bible to Acts 1.8, we're going to be talking about the church tonight. And I always try to boil the lesson down to like a sentence and this is maybe our lesson in a sentence tonight is that God uses extraordinary, does extraordinary things through churches that are made up of ordinary people. And when you're there in Acts 1-8, I don't have this verse on the screen, but I just want you, to, want you to see where we're going with this. Jesus came back from the dead and he's standing in front of his people. He's standing in front of his disciples. If you followed Jesus for three years and he died and then he was standing in front of you alive, what would your reaction be? You'd be getting your phone out. You'd be like, I got to document this. Yeah, maybe I won't get banned from TikTok now, right, Gabe? You know, I want to document this. Um, it would be a big deal. So the disciples, they are standing in front of Jesus who came back from the dead, and they ask him a question. They say, Lord, now are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Hey, now are we going to kick some Roman butt, kick these guys out, set up this kingdom that we've been waiting for? And Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons the Father's fixed by his own authority. Then verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. And then it says that Jesus ascended. You know what ascended means? That's a very fancy word for saying that Jesus levitated up into the clouds and went back to heaven. So after the disciples were given probably some heavy medication, some Prozac or something, after what they just saw, they go and they wait for the promise that Jesus said he was going to send the Holy Spirit. So they're all in this room praying together, and Jesus, like he promised, sends the Holy Spirit to these 120 of his followers who were in this room. This is when the Holy Spirit came on them. They started going out into the streets of Jerusalem and preaching the gospel of Jesus, telling other people about Jesus. But here's the twist. They were, not, they were all speaking different languages that people in the city could understand because there were people from all different nations coming in for this special religious festival that was going on at the time. And they, were, they had never been able to speak it before. Can you imagine? Can you imagine like, like uh, if Josh never spoke Japanese before in his life and he just got up here and just got in Japanese. I can't speak it either, obviously, right? We would all be astounded, right? That you know, Josh can supernaturally speak Japanese, you know? And, and, and what if Hudson came up and he, he started speaking like one of those like Quechua dialects, it's like a bunch of 
click things. We, 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 our minds will be blown. So these apostles or, or these, uh, these followers of Jesus are all preaching in these languages that they never spoken before, never knew, and this crowd gathers around. They're just watching. Like they're just, they can't believe what's happening. So they say, are these guys like drunk? Like do they have too much to drink? Did they, um, are, 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 have they gone crazy? What's going on here? So Peter, kind of the leader of the disciples at that point, it seems like, he gets up in front of this crowd. Guys, we're up here, we're up here. He gets up in front of this crowd and he starts explaining to these people who Jesus was and how he fulfilled every Old Testament prophecy, every verse of the Old Testament. And then he puts them on the spot. He says, Jesus is Lord. What are you gonna do about it? So we read in Acts chapter two, starting, um, starting in verse number 36, what happened at the end of Peter's sermon. It was the first gospel sermon really ever preached after Jesus went back to heaven. So we're gonna read all these verses and then we're gonna learn some special things about what, what church is, what the church is, what our church should be. So Acts chapter two, starting in verse 36, it says, let all the house of Israel know, this is how he concludes the sermon, that that God has made him, meaning Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus who you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and all who are far off. And, many, and, and with many other words, he bore witness to them, continued to exhort them, saying, save yourself from this crooked generation. Those who received his words were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Wow. 3,000 people were saved after that sermon. Say, Wow. Now say it backwards. Wow. Say it upside down. Wow. Yeah, see, some of you remember that. Okay, just making sure you're following me. So 3,000 people are saved. What happens to these 3,000 people and these apostles and these followers of Jesus? They all come together. Verse 42, this is the first church that was formed. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds as any had need, and day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It's a pretty incredible picture of what a church should look like. So as we get into this section of scripture, I'm trying to do the iPad so that I can use the pen again. Make a little smiley face for you, make sure it's working. That um, I can use the pen again because we're gonna tear this section of the Bible apart. And we're gonna learn a couple things about this first church. Do you see 3,000 people got saved the first day? And then it said every day after, God kept adding people. God kept saving people. And everybody was in harmony. And everybody was living, working together. And everybody was, was enjoying each other. Wouldn't it be great if that's what church was like today? So let's look and see what the secret formula of this church was. And what you're going to learn is it's really not a secret formula. It's just living by the Bible. Um, so what we're going to learn about this first church is this first church, if you're a note taker, I'm going to drive you crazy tonight. Are you ready? This first church, they had the right doctrine. If you have your, uh, you could write that down if you want, but if, you have, if you're, some of you that are hardcore note Nazis, you're taking notes, 
find a blank sheet of paper, find a blank, and what I want you to do is I want you to draw a circle. Everybody know how to draw a circle? I'm gonna try to draw a circle here. Pretty, pretty good circle, right? Pretty symmetrical, it's a little fat, and fatter than it is taller, but it's okay. Then I want you to take a, draw a line, oh, draw a line down the middle, and split it up on this side, split it up on this side, go about a third of the way down, draw a line across, two thirds of the way down, draw another line across, Looks like a waffle, doesn't it? We need to pour some syrup on that sucker and eat it, right? So what we're gonna, what we're gonna learn is we're gonna learn about three things that defined this church. And the first was that we talked about is this church had the right doctrine. The right doctrine. Look at, look at verse number 36. We're gonna flip over here to the uh, passage here. We're gonna see that they had the right doctrine. And I'm gonna try to mark this up here. Look at, look at verse 36, it says, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus who you crucified. So the first thing, you know what doctrine means, right? It's just what you believe about God, what you believe about the Bible. And the first thing that they held in common, that they believed together, was that Jesus is Lord. So in your little church circle, I'm calling this the church circle, don't let, you, can everybody promise not to laugh at my art? Will everybody make that solemn vow? You know, we're in church, okay? You can't lie. You cannot laugh at my artwork. So, so the, 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 remember what the first, th- the first thing we learned? J- Jesus is Lord. He rose from the dead. So Jesus is king. In the words of my friend Kanye, Jesus is king. See, that's a cross with a crown. And he ascended to heaven. He's Lord. They all believed that. They held that in common. But what was the next thing they believed? It says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They said to the Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? How can we be saved? Now that we know that Jesus is king, Jesus is Lord, he died for our sins, what do we do to receive this forgiveness? Look what he says. He says, repent. That's the second thing they believed. Repent, that the way to be saved is by, after you hear what Jesus did, is by Repenting. You know what that word repent means? In the Greek, it's spelled like this, if you can read my handwriting. Metaneo. You know what meta means? Meta means? Your brain, your thinking. You know what neo means? New. Think differently about Jesus. Think differently about what? Think differently about sin. Think differently about self. Think differently about Savior. Realize that sin is a big problem. Sin isn't just something that grandma said, oh, he loves Jesus, but he cusses a little. You know, sin is a big deal. Yeah, I, I was following this lady that had a bumper sticker on the back of her car that says, I'm somewhere between Proverbs 31 and Tupac. Like, like that, that's kind of making light of sin, isn't it? Sin is a big deal, and without somebody to save us from our sin, we're, die, we're on our way to, to, to an eternal hell. Change our mind about sin. Change our mind about self. Nothing we can do can get ourselves out of the sin problem we have. Change our mind about Jesus, our Savior. Believe in Jesus. So I kind of did this for repent. It, it means turning your mind around, changing your thinking. Metaneo, new thinking. So what did they believe? They believed that Jesus was Lord. He, he conquered death. And in order to receive forgiveness of sins, you have to change your mind and you have to believe in Jesus. Let's look at the next thing that they all held in common. The next thing is that every Christian should be baptized. It says repent and be baptized. So I'm gonna put a little bit of water here. And I don't have a whole lot of time to get into this, but I think it's worth addressing here. Do you notice what it says here? It says repent and be baptized, every one of you, 
for the forgiveness of your sins. And some people, they read, that, they read that section of the Bible and they think, does that mean that I have to believe in Jesus and be baptized before I can be saved? Well, I believe that if you look at this text and you really tear it apart, what you'll realize is that there's only one thing you need to do to be saved, and it's believe in Jesus. Baptism is a sign that you've believed in Jesus. And you say, well, Matt, why does it seem like it's telling me here that I have to be baptized in order to be saved? Well, I want to kind of just, if I can do it in like five seconds, well, in a minute, see if you time me, see if I can do it in a minute. These are three reasons why Acts 2.38 does not teach that you have to be baptized in order to be saved. The first is, if you look at this little word here, let me find a new color here. If you look at the word here, for the forgiveness of your sins, that was a Greek word, ice, and that can mean a few things. It can mean that you do something in order to obtain it, like I work hard for my money, you know, for. It could also mean, um, let me flip back over here, it could also mean um, that it could be as a result of, you know, I'm so tired it's kind of an old English way of saying it, but I'm so tired for the long day I've had. It's, 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 it's a way of expressing it. It could also, that word ice can also mean in regard to. So it would make sense if when you read this, it would say repent and be baptized because of the sin you've been forgiven of. The next reason why the Bible doesn't teach you you have to be baptized to be saved in this verse is the, this is really technical, so some of you that like different languages, you like learning about different languages, you like this, the rest of you, just bear with me and realize that sometimes I'm a nerd. It's okay to be a nerd. Nerds are cool now. Like when I was in school, they got like swirlies, but now like they're celebrated, okay? So here we go. So the word, let's go back here, the word repent the Greek has case endings. You know what I mean? Has anybody ever studied another language? Who all here has ever studied? You've taken a class in another language. Some languages like Spanish, um, German, I believe, is like this too. They have different, at the end of the word, there will be a few other little letters that, that tell you if it's a plural word, um, if it's a singular word. It tells you all kinds of things about this word. The word repent is in the second person plural. The word forgiveness is in the second person plural. And you know what that means in Greek? It means that these two terms are connected. You know what the word be baptized is in? It's in the third person singular, which means that this term does not belong with these two. In our English translations, it's kind of hard to see that, but in the Greek, you can see that. And then the final reason, and to me the most compelling reason, is that the rest of the Bible overwhelmingly teaches that you can only be saved by putting your faith in Jesus. Can I show you a few verses? Look in chapter two. You're in chapter two already. Look at verse number 44. I can actually bring it up on the screen here for you. It says, all who believed were together and had all things in common. It didn't say all who were baptized. It didn't... It didn't classify these Christians as people who, 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 who did this or did that. It simply said those who believe. That was how they define Christians. But if you look beyond this passage, look at the book of John. John 1, 12, all who did receive him who believed in his name, he gave right to become children of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. John 11, 25, 26, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. You see the importance here? It's on belief. Acts 10, 43, same book that we're in. It says, to the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Look at Acts 13, 39. 
This is all in the notes on the app, by the way, if you're like hurriedly writing. Acts everyone who believes in him is free. Acts 16, verse 31, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Got a couple more for you. Romans 10, 9, it says, if you confess your sin with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Ephesians 1, 13 says that in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. No mention of baptism in this process of salvation. And then finally, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. This is the one that always does it for me. By grace, you've been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works. So no one can boast. I hope that made sense. And I hope that cleared that up because that's an important passage. And we see they, they believed things. These, these first Christians, they were united by things. They were united by, let's go back to our church circle. They were united by the fact that Jesus was Lord. They were united by the fact that the way to receive forgiveness of sins was to change your mind, repent, believe in Jesus, change your mind about sin, self, and Savior. They believed that people who were saved should follow Jesus in baptism. And they believed that everyone who, were, who was saved was sealed with the Holy Spirit. It says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you know, for the Holy Spirit on here, he, sometimes in the Bible he's pictured as a dove. So this is my dove, pretty, right? And sometimes he's pictured as fire. So this is my fire. I told you, I'm a really good artist. You know, I, I take commissions sometimes. Um, so what do we see first? Is that the, the first church, they had the right doctrine. Does that make sense? Let's keep going. Next, the first church had the right devotions. When we think of devotions, we think of sitting and reading in your Bible in the morning. That's part of it. But you know what else is a devotion? A devotion is just something you commit to doing all the time. Some of you, you get up at the butt crack of dawn. You get up at 4.30 in the morning. You go do CrossFit and give yourselves all kinds of aches and pains. I worry about some of you. No, I'm joking. It means you're dedicated to it. You're devoted to it. Look at what the first church was devoted to. I'm going to change my color up again here. It says they devoted themselves to what? The apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to spending a, a serious amount of time opening their Bibles together, or their Hebrew <laughs> scriptures together, listening to people teach the word of God. So it says they devoted, so the apostles, they were also known as shepherds. So this is a shepherd's staff. Like I said, I'm a really good artist. And this is a Bible. Look like a Bible? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Peter, James, John, these apostles, these people who were eyewitnesses to Jesus, they explained the teaching of Jesus to people. That's why at Refuel, we spend a lot of time in the word is because that's something we should be devoted to as a group as we come together. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. What else? To fellowship. What in the world is fellowship? I remember one time we had a British guy come and speak at our church and we had cookies afterwards, and I remember him saying, I will eat a cookie so that I can say I fellowshiped. I don't know why I think stick in your head. But you know, sometimes we, you know, Baptists, we think of fellowship has got to involve a crock pot. It's got to involve like a, a, a green bean salad or something. Um, but what you, what you learn in the, for fellowship, I'm going to draw, I'm really bad at drawing hearts. How's that? Not a bad heart. It says fellowship. What you, what you learn and what you, what you read about the way that they fellowship together, they had relationships together, is that they did a lot together. There are actually, you're never going to be able to write them down, there are 59 different commands that Christians are given that they should do to each other. Obviously, we're not going to read them all. There's some interesting ones in there. You notice there's like a pattern. There's one that seems to be more important than any other one. If you can read it from back there. 
Love one another, 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 love, love each other. So they have great love for each other. There are also some others. Be at peace with one another. Don't run drama, right? That was a big, that was a big deal for them. Honor one another above yourselves. This is an interesting one. Greet one another with a holy kiss. That was just the way they did it back then. You better not come up and kiss me. I'm going to bust you, right? But that we should greet each other, right? That there are so many things that we should do to one another. Fellowship isn't just eating a chicken leg together. Fellowship is reaching out to each other and being there for each other. And this first church, why I believe God works so strongly in them is because they got this. They had this. They figured out the one another's. What else did they do? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching fellowship. This is the, this is the one you're going to like the most. Oh, baby. They did have a potluck. <laughs> they did have Colonel Sanders every time they got together. The breaking of bread. Now, there's been a discussion. Does this mean like they observed the Lord's Supper, or does this mean they just ate a lot? And Scholars believe it was both because you find you know, that the early church, they observed the Lord's Supper just about every time they got together, but they also had a meal together every time they got together. The early church, they called it a love feast. I think we should bring it back, right? We did it tonight. Instead of breaking bread together, we broke tacos together, right? We, we, we ate together. And it'd be really interesting. Maybe we'll have to make this a small group discussion sometime. Have you ever thought about the theology of food? There are very few things that happened significantly in the Bible that didn't involve food. When God created the world, what did he tell Adam and Eve? He gave them instructions on how to eat. When mankind was plunged into sin, it's because they ate the wrong thing. When the Jewish people were taken out of Egypt, slavery, what did God institute? The Passover meal? Before Jesus died on the cross, what did he do? He shared a meal with his disciples. Many of Jesus' miracles involved food, feeding the 5,000, feeding the 4,000. When Jesus rose from the dead and the disciples were fishing and they made it to shore, you know what Jesus was doing? He was frying up fish for them on a charcoal fire. And you know what's gonna happen? We'll talk about this next week. When we all are with Jesus forever and eternity, we're gonna take part in the marriage supper of the lamb. The potluck to end, well, I don't think it's gonna be a potluck. I think God's gonna be providing. But it's gonna be the meal to end all meals. So meals are important. You know, why do we eat tacos? Why do, we, why do I seem to spend so much of our church's youth budget on food and always have to answer for that? It's because it's important. We're not just sharing a meal, we're sharing our lives together. And then finally, and they devoted themselves to praying together, to prayers. So I'm running out of, I'm getting ahead of myself. So here's, we're gonna draw food. This is a, 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 like a glass here. Does that look like a glass? And here's gonna be, here's, here's a loaf of bread. It looks more like a baguette, but it's, it's, it's food, okay? So, and then they devoted themselves to praying. That's somebody like praying. No? <laughs> no? Okay, that's the best I can do. I'm sorry. So they had the right... <laughs> you don't like my stick figures. I'm so offended. You promised in church you wouldn't laugh at me. Oh, I think we need to go back to the repent thing, I think. Okay, so. Yeah, he's praying. Okay, anyway, so I don't want you to miss out on this. They had, they had the right doctrine. 
They had the right things that they were devoted to, committed to. What happened when you have the right doctrine plus the right devotion? What happened? Look at what happened in verse 42. It says, change colors again. Let's go purple. I love purple. All came upon every soul. All doesn't, it, that's not like what you say when you look at a baby and you're like, oh, isn't he cute? He's not. Babies aren't cute. Um, all is a term that means shock, amazement, fear. I was trying to figure out the best way to kind of describe what this term meant. And there's a picture to me that kind of described it. And it's this picture from our backpack VBS. And if you haven't been a part of one of our backpack VBSs, I hope you can this year. It's one of my favorite things, and it's because you guys run it, and I get to watch God work through you. And there's sometimes, I remember this moment, you know, y'all were playing trash can with the kids on the outside. And then I walked in on the inside, and I went upstairs, and one of y'all was leading a little girl to Christ. And then I walked downstairs, and the craft crew was just doing a banging job, and they were, you were loving on those kids. And I felt this sense of awe, not just bumps and goosebumps and new exciting type yeah, awe. It was just this, wow, God is so great. And he's working through so many teenagers. And I believe that was some of the awe that this church experienced when they saw God working through ordinary people to do extraordinary things. So I got this little exclamation point for awe. I think that's a pretty good exclamation point. You have nothing bad to say about that, right? Awe came on every soul. Many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles, and all who believed, you remember they're the believers, all who believed were together and had all things in common. What you learn is, if you keep reading, it says they were selling their possessions, distributing the proceeds to anyone who had need. So you know what they were doing? The first thing that we see was they were, watch out, stick figures, they were together, and they shared their money, and their time, that's a clock, and their talents together. People don't want to give up their money. People don't want to give up their time. Hey, I got to be at practice. I got to do this. I got to do that. People don't want to give up their talents if they don't get credit for it. But they were together and they did this. They did this. this was, by the way, this was not communism. Yeah, the government, yeah, Joe Biden was not holding a gun to their head saying, you got to give me your money. Okay, this was not communism. They gave out of their generosity. They gave out of their love for each other, right? Okay, so, so don't be going shake with our on me because you read this verse. Okay, they, they, they gave of time, talent, and treasure. We got to keep moving. Look at the next thing. Day by day, attending together, the, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. There's another food reference. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor for all the people. All of this stuff that God was doing in their life, it led them, watch out, more stick figures. It led them to praise God. That's not hair, that's praise. That's that's praise going up to God, okay? Praise hands, okay? They, they were so excited and in awe of what God was doing. They just had to stop and they had to praise God. And then here's, to me, it, to, me to me, these kind of build. It doesn't say this in the Bible. They kind of build and it gets better and better and better because look at the last verse. The Lord added to their number daily people who were being saved. To me, there's nothing more exciting 
than when God changes someone's life and they pass from death to life. And what you see here is that people were telling other people about Jesus. This is not an octopus. People were telling other people about Jesus and the number of believers was multiplying and some of it had to do with the fact that they were being faithful and telling others about Jesus. But who was it that added to their number? The Lord added to their number. So God was working through people so that other people could be saved. Wouldn't you love to be in a church like that? But you know what's so crazy? Is that this is not difficult stuff. It's just that nobody decides to do it. Nobody decides to apply themselves to learn about God. And nobody decides to pursue the right things. And then they wonder why God is not working through their local church, their community of believers, like he did back then. What would happen if we started worrying and everything we do around God's word? And what would happen if we devoted ourselves to studying God's word together? To doing those things? Can I get back to him? 59 one another's when we come together and outside of church. And what if when we get back to church, we see the food as more than food. It's an opportunity to invite people in to eat with us and share a meal together. And what if we spend time, maybe not looking like this guy, we spend time praying for each other. That's where we are right now. This is the present in this binge the Bible timeline, this is where we are right now, and this is what God has called us to do. I had some application points. We don't have time to get to them. But maybe this is the application point tonight. Maybe we can ask ourselves, look in the mirror, and say, is this our group? And if it's not, what can I do? What can I do to lead a change? Because I will tell you, there are people here tonight who desperately need to experience some of those one another's because they're not getting them at home. There are people here tonight that they're in a crisis of faith and they need someone to encourage them in their faith. That's the reason we're here. And I would love for people to say about Refuel in our little community that this is going on. It takes the right doctrine and it takes being devoted to the right things. So I'm gonna pray for us and I'm gonna pray, give us an opportunity to pray for each other. We're gonna Get out of here, okay? Let's pray. And God, thank you that you give us a, a plan to follow. Uh, thank you for the fact that you don't just leave us to fend for ourselves, but you give us people. Um, this room here tonight is full of teenagers who love Jesus. But God, we need each other. God, I pray that we'll be devoted to your word. I pray that we'll be devoted to reaching out to each other. I pray that we'll get close to each other, intimate, sharing meals and life together. And God, that we'll remember each other to pray for each other when things are going on on in our lives. Thank you for the church. Thank you that it's not what we do, but it's what you do through us. And you choose to work through people and groups of people who have the right doctrine and are devoted to the right things. And I pray that we will be that group, that we will be a group of people um, who are committed to those things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.